You are listening to Law and Gospel on this Monday, uh, July the 25th in the year of our Lord, 2022. I'm Pastor Tom Baker, and we're going to be taking a look at readings for the eighth Sunday after Pentecost. Now, there's something that's kind of unique about these readings. Uh, The readings are from Ecclesiastes, Colossians, and Luke. Normally, the two readings from the Old Testament and the Gospel have a similar theme. But in this case, not only do all three readings have the same theme, but even the introit. The introit is made up of verses from the Psalms and is part of the liturgy in some worship services from the hymnal. So let's kind of take a look at the common theme that is found in all four places. It begins in Ecclesiastes chapter 1, where Solomon is writing, Vanity of vanities, says the preacher. Vanity of vanities, all is vanity. Now, The purpose of a pastor is to interpret the Bible. And when I'm talking about interpreting the Bible, I'm not just talking about knowing the Greek and the Hebrew and helping people to understand what the original languages meant, but also what the English means. So if you ask people, okay, what is Solomon talking about? Vanity of vanities what are they going to say? Well, there are certain synonyms that are used for the word vanity. If you're doing something that's, well, vanity, then you think it is worthless. It is futile. It is uselessness, pointlessness, purposelessness, and profitable you don't make any profit about it. And the context helps you to understand what Solomon is talking about that he considers to be vanity. In verse 12, he says, I, the preacher, have been king over Israel in Jerusalem, and I plied my heart to seek and to search out by wisdom all that is done under heaven. It is an unhappy business that God has given to the children of man to be busy with. Now, why does he consider it to be an unhappy business? Verse 14, I have seen everything that is done under the sun, and behold, all is vanity and is a striving after wind. Well, what's he talking about? Well, he explains it in chapter 2 with verse 18. I hated all my toil in which I toil under the sun. And now he gives a reason. Seeing that I must leave it to the man who will come after me. And who knows? whether he will be wise 
or a fool. Now, that is really important language, wise or fool. If you've been listening to us on Wednesdays, we've been going through the book of Proverbs, another book primarily written by Solomon. And the wise person is the one who has faith in Jesus Christ. He has wisdom. The fool is the one who follows Satan. Remember what Adam and Eve did? They followed Satan. Remember what David did with Bathsheba? He followed Satan. Remember what the disciples did in trying to get rid of the little children because they were bothering them? They were following Satan. And so this is really important that you understand. If he's wise, he's a believer. If he's a fool, he's an unbeliever. And Solomon continues, yet he will be master of all for which I toiled and used my wisdom under the sun. See, this is what was bothering him. He says, this also is vanity. So I turned about and gave my heart up to despair over all the toil of my labors under the sun. Because sometimes a person who has toiled with wisdom and knowledge and skill must leave everything to be enjoyed by someone who did not toil for it. Now, those words, wisdom, knowledge, and skill, are really important used in the Bible to refer to understanding how God thinks, and you use his wisdom, the knowledge he gives you through his revealed word and the skills that he benefits you for. And yet, they're going to be enjoyed by someone who did not toil for it. This also is vanity and a great evil. What has a man from all the toil and striving of heart with which he toils beneath the sun. For all his days are full of sorrow, and his work is a vexation. Even in the night his heart does not rest. This also is vanity. Now, the Holy Gospel from Luke chapter 12 has a similar theme. Somebody from the crowd says to Jesus, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. But Jesus says, Man, who made me a judge or arbitrator over you? And he said to them, Take care and be on your guard against all covetousness, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. See, this is a real problem in the United States, that property and possessions have become more important to people than the wisdom of God. And to back it up, Jesus told them this parable. He says, well, the land of a rich man produced plentifully. 
and he thought to himself, What shall I do? For I have nowhere to store my crops. And he said, I will do this. I will tear down my barns and build larger ones, and there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, Fool, this night your soul is required of you, and the things you have prepared, whose will they be? So is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. Now, Jesus here is not talking about contributions to the church in talking about being rich toward God. Being rich towards God means that you use what God has given you to praise him, to thank him, to worship him, to look to his wisdom. It's part of the life of sanctification. Once you become justified, then things look differently. And that is also stated by Solomon in Ecclesiastes. If you go on to chapter 2, verse 24, here's what Solomon learned from the wisdom of God. There is nothing better for a person that, than that he should eat and drink and find enjoyment in his toil. That means in his work. This also, I saw, is from the hand of God. For apart from him, who can eat or who can have enjoyment? Remember the parable that Jesus said? This man thought he would build many barns, have plenty of food for the future, eat, drink, relax, be merry, but he dies that night. And all that he had worked for, all that he had strived for, goes to someone else. Solomon says in verse 26, for to the one who pleases him, that means God is pleased with you following his wisdom. God has given wisdom and knowledge and joy. But to the sinner, he has given the business of gathering and collecting only to give to one who pleases God. This also is vanity and a striving after wind. So you have both the Old Testament and the Holy Gospel from Jesus speaking about precisely the same thing, that we are to enjoy the work that God has given us because through that work, we're able to feed ourselves, our family, and also to help out our neighbor. But if we look at it in a way that is different from God's wisdom, in other words, if we have self-conceit over what we are doing, the introit, and that's those sections of the Psalms that are said in the liturgy, is really critical. It's from Psalm 49. It reads, Hear this, all peoples, 
Give ear, all inhabitants of the world, both low and high, rich and poor together. Truly, no man can ransom another or give to God the price of his life. Boy, if that isn't a clear statement of law and gospel, I don't know what is. In other words, you cannot buy back the salvation for someone else. You cannot give to God sufficiently to pay for the price of your life. In other words, there are no good works that you can do continually to offset your sin. Why? The text goes on. For the ransom of their life is costly and can never suffice. Why is it costly? Because it took God himself to become a human being and die on the cross. The cost was paid by God, not by us. But the intro goes on. This is the path of those who have foolish confidence. Yet after them, people approve of their boasts. Now, you've met people like this. They may be quite profitable in their business, and they boast about how good they are at working. And people, when they hear that, they approve of their boasts because they want to be rich too. But then what does God say about such people who are really about what they can do, who really have self-love and self-conceit? They are like sheep appointed for Sheol. That is the place of hell. Death shall be their shepherd, in contrast to proper sheep who believe in Jesus Christ as their shepherd. Now, David writes in the psalm, but God will ransom my soul from the power of Sheol, for he will receive me. See, that's wonderful gospel. You cannot do anything to be received by God because you simply don't have enough good works. And your good works often are sinful in their motivation. And so, therefore, it is impossible for you to live a life where you pay for your sins and heaven is your home. Now, I mentioned that's Ecclesiastes and Luke chapter 12. But then when we look at Colossians chapter 3, it has a similar theme. Verse 1, if then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Now, what does that mean? How do you seek the things that are above? Verse 2 explains it. Set your minds on things that are above and not on things that are on earth. 
I recently saw a movie and a young man really liked a certain truck. I believe it was a Dodge truck. It was a very good looking truck. And he went to buy it, but found out he could not afford it. So he got his friend to rob a lady who owned a truck. And guess what? They stole her truck and he was riding around in it. This is how you do not set your mind on things that are above in Christ, but on things that are on earth. And why do you do that? For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. And so therefore, as pastors, when we visit individuals who are ill in the hospital or near death in a hospice, we can remind them of the glory that they are going to receive when judgment day comes. And that judgment day could be the moment of their death when their body may be placed in the ground but their spirit is with Jesus in heaven. So Paul to the church at Colossians says, put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you. Then he names them. Sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. Now, there's nothing that is a sin that is not idolatry because every sin breaks the first commandment. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. And so if you put a good-looking truck that you want and you do evil to get it or you get upset like Solomon was originally with doing all this work knowing that his profits and his gains will be going to someone who did not do any work as he did, then that's putting to death what is earthly. On account of this, the wrath of God is coming. When you were living in them. So now Paul is talking to the Christians in Colossae. And notice that he says, in these you two once walked when you were living in them. But now, and he's talking about now that you have come to faith in Jesus Christ, you must put them all away. Any names, anger, for example, against God, wrath against individuals, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. In fact, if you take a look at chapter 10 of Proverbs, much of the, pas much of the passage is dealing with what comes from your mouth. Your lips can either praise God or it can praise yourself. And that's what he's talking about here. Do not lie to one another, says verse 9 seeing that you have put off the old self 
with its practices. That's the life of sanctification. When you are justified by Jesus, you now desire to do his will because of your love for him. And your love increases the more you hear how far he went to die on the cross for you. Therefore, don't do these evil things. Put off the old self. Put on the new self. Now, how does the new self work? Verse 10, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Now, who's the creator of you? It's Jesus Christ. There was nothing created at the beginning of the world that was not created by Jesus Christ. That's taught in John chapter 1. Even human beings were created also by Jesus Christ. And therefore, to follow his image after you have been declared righteous in his sight. That means there is not distinctions between people. And boy, did they ever have those distinctions in the day of Jesus. And he names those distinctions that people like to make. Verse 11, here, that is in the Holy Christian Church, there is not Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all and in all. Reminds us of the Galatians passage where there's no distinction between male or female, Greek or Jew, slave or free. Now, there are distinctions when we deal with the earthly kingdom. Yes, uh, males are distinguished from females because of the curses that were given to each after they sinned. For males, the curse is being head of the household. For women, it is pain in childbirth, among other things. The fact of the matter is, is when one wants to talk to God, it doesn't matter if you are a Jew or a Greek, if you are circumcised or uncircumcised, if you are slave or free, because Christ is all and in all. When did that occur? That occurred in baptism. Because in baptism, God makes a promise. Receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Receive the gift of forgiveness. And remember what forgiveness is. Forgiveness is where we owe God a debt. We sin. We owe him our life. And what does he do? According to the last week's lesson from Colossians, he cancels the debt. How can God cancel a debt that is owed him? Because he pays 
the price of the debt. The price of the debt is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus is forsaken so that you will never be forsaken by God in the spiritual realm. Yes, in the temporal realm, you will receive the consequences of your sin. But in the spiritual realm, there are no consequences. You are forgiven, which means you are not held responsible for your sin. <coughs> Excuse me. And that is a gift from God. It's a gift that he has given to you. Why? Because of his love of the Holy Trinity for humankind. And we know what that love was. For God so loved the world, that means all unbelievers, that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes will not perish, but have eternal life. That's a promise from God. It's called the gospel. And it is totally different. It's not found in any other religion that men have concocted from their minds. Because the religions that they invent always have a view of God that is similar to their own view of themselves. And that is totally different when it comes to Christianity. The view of God has to be revealed because it cannot come from the mind of God. No, I'm sorry, from the mind of man. No man has ever concocted a religion where God dies for your sins. It is a revealed religion that began with the books of Moses through the book of John in the book of Revelation. And everywhere it says the same thing that the introit says. That is, God will ransom our soul from the power of Sheol. On tomorrow's Law and Gospel, we'll be taking a look at a hymn uh, assigned for the eighth Sunday after Pentecost. Gracious God, you send great blessings. Join me and Mark Smith tomorrow. God bless you. Listen to Law and Gospel each weekday morning at 9.30 on KFUO. For a tax-deductible gift to Law and Gospel, please make your check out to Law and Gospel and mail to Law and Gospel P.O. Box 28910, St. Louis, Missouri, 63132, or call toll-free 1-877-267-1962.
Views and opinions expressed on Worldwide KFUO may not represent the official position of the management or ownership of KFUO, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. If you'd like to comment on programs or topics heard on Worldwide KFUO, write us at KFUO, 1333 South Kirkwood Road, St. Louis, Missouri, 63122. You can also leave a question or comment on our comment line at 314-996-1542. We are the messenger of good news, Worldwide KFUO.